Welcome back to Tome of Tales. Set in the Cantus Expanse, a long-running 5th edition D&D campaign. This episode is an origin story, continuing directly after The Lost Girl, Woods Darker Than Night. It is called The Lost Girl, The Daughter of Summer. Merla awoke from a long, enchanted sleep, one that healed her and made it easier to forget the horrible things Mother Maeve had done to her. The soft bed wasn't ready to let her go, but her mind was coming up from the depths of dark and twisted nightmares that had lasted too long. She was ready to be in the light. Her eyes opened as she turned her head to the side, and she saw she lay on a downy bed of soft moss that smelled of lavender. The green of the moss was so vibrant that for a moment she thought, Mama would love this color on a set of mugs. Then she heard it, the song. Merla sat up suddenly, and her head swam. She must have made a noise, because a bark-skinned fay parted the vines that encircled the room she was in, giving her a start. Ah, you're awake. Good. Come, the queen be wishing to see ya, they said, coming up to Merla to help her out of bed. Merla, so shocked at the appearance of the creature made of bark walking, let alone speaking to her, sat in stunned silence cerulean eyes wide as dishes. The creature, not taking kindly to being stared at by some mortal child, mouth agape, put their hands on their knobby hips. Well, don't just be sitting there with your mouth a-gawking. The red cap will crawl in and make its home in there. Chop, chop! They clap their hands together, and it sounds like logs popping in a crackling fire. Put on those slippers there, they said to Merla, who was scrambling out of bed, bits of moss and small flowers stuck in her hair. Don't want you falling into no puddles now. Merla didn't know if you could fall into a puddle and thought the creature must be trying to trick her. But she had never seen a creature made of bark before and so thought they must know better than she. Besides, her feet were bare and she didn't want to find out the hard way if you could fall into a puddle, so she put them on. Slippers on her tiny feet, the strange creature led her out of what she supposed was a bedroom, though it was the most peculiar one she had ever seen. A tree at its center with no walls, just willow branches and vines that created a partition that parted on its own when you approached. As Merla stepped outside, she was stunned by how huge the trees were. It was both bright daylight and summer twilight, depending on where the canopy reached. She could smell strange, innocuous fragrances in the air that tempted to pull her little feet away from the path she tried to stay on. Fresh bergamot and lemon 
on one side that made her think of tea time with Yoara, Burton, and Ina. Then citronella and oranges on the other that brought memories of long afternoons in the orchard with her mama and papa picking the ripe fruits. They passed by a proud group of centaurs, elegantly clad in leathers and armed with bows and arrows. A group of trees were groaning and swaying together. In a song, a dance, or discussion, Merla couldn't tell. A trio of Eladrin gossiped together, each one a different season. Every group they passed stopped what they were doing and stared, watching her closely, scrutinizing her, trying to pick her apart with their eyes. It made her uncomfortable. Keep your eyes straight, girl, came the low, gruff voice of the bark-skinned fae guiding her through the meadow. A curious bunch, the lot, but none as important as the Lady of Light. Merla averted her eyes and attempted to catch up to her guide. Everything was so strange, so different, almost overwhelming. Yet for reasons she could not name, Merla was not frightened. They stare at me like I'm a strange and different thing. Darkwood eyes glance back at her. You're not that strange. A wee short, perhaps. Merla thought her guide wasn't being entirely honest. She was small and in a strange place. It was no dream. She had already pinched herself several times to make sure she was awake, a small bruise forming on her left forearm. She was fascinated, but she had to find out where that song, that voice, was coming from. It kept calling to her, and it was only getting stronger the longer she was here. Do you hear? She starts to ask, and once again the Fae's darkwood eyes glance back at her, quickly, eager. Never mind. She mumbles. The two cross a bridge of entwined trees and enter into what Merla thought had to be a cathedral, though she had never been in one before. She sees trees on either side of the entrance that are part of, and yet separate from the building. When she looks up, she realizes it is not some great structure, but one giant oak tree with tiers upon tiers of rooms, living quarters, and halls. Passing through the gigantic double doors, so large there is more than enough room for two tree ends to pass through comfortably. Merla's breath was taken away with how vast the space was inside. She may have been overcome with all the feelings and sensations roiling within her, that she not suddenly beheld the Queen of Summer. Skin glowing the color of warm honey, hair shimmering like endless fields of wheat so that it looked like a molten gold flame rippling down her back. The tall, ethereal, and commanding form of Titania turned to watch Merla and her guide approach.
The moment Titania's eyes settled on Merla, the song she had been hearing weaving through the air suddenly burst into life all around her. She nearly wept in that moment for the beauty of the music she heard was nothing like she could have ever dreamed of. The faint echo she heard on the hills in the valley of her home could not even compare. Merla's guide begins to speak in a musical language. My queen, may I present? The song. Merla interrupts, voice clear and full of awe. It's you. She breathes out in ecstasy. Her guide goes still, and every other fay in the court stops talking to listen. Merla doesn't notice. All she hears is the music. You, you are the song. Merla continues past her guide, who attempts to grab the child. A panicked look back and forth between the halfling and the queen of Seely Fay. As for the Seely Queen, her face is an unreadable mask, but her eyes flash with a sudden and brilliant golden light. All of the Fae starting to gather closer, curious to see what a mortal could be doing in a Fae court, let alone a child, quickly turned away to leave the hollow. Between one breath and the next, it is just Merla standing in front of Queen Titania, alone. There is one Fay who remains, though. Invisible to the eye and hidden in an alcove out of sight. His cloven satyr hooves are silent, shifting green eyes, carefully watching. You say you hear a song, child? The queen says, and Merla's eyes light up with stars. Can you sing it for me? Without hesitation, Merla takes a deep breath and sings. a child's voice, innocent and raw, untrained. But when the queen hears the song, she is glad she sent the court away. If any were to have heard this mortal girl singing it. The invisible fay notes Titania's reaction, nearly impossible though it was to read. The queen does not so much hold her hand up but sighs and Merla stops mid-note. The arch fay looks down at the small thing in front of her, barely able to walk on her own two feet, hair a mess of moss and twigs, eyes as clear as cerulean skies, a voice that sang a song that no one could ever have heard. And yet... What is your name, child? She asks, commanding. Merla 
copper kettle? The halfling child replies, the beginning of trepidation blooming within. Merla copper kettle. Titania says her name like she is casting a spell. It may have been the light, but Merla thought she saw her eyes glow again. Stepping down from the dais, where a throne made of crystal and gold stands regal and resplendent, the queen of all Seely Fae slowly, imposingly walks towards the mortal child before her. You, little one, have presented quite a conundrum to me. Merla stands rooted to the spot, holding the hem of her shirt in her hands, that feeling of trepidation sprouting wings. On the one hand, I could have you killed for singing as you did, and be done with you, never to think of you again. Merla sees the briefest of pauses before the queen takes her next step. Another pair of hidden eyes notices something different. The Archfey stops in front of the mortal child, looking down at her. On the other hand, you could stay and become part of my court. Looking up at the striking, otherworldly female, Merla feels compelled to reach out. Titania is lost in her thoughts as she looks at the child before her, and so unconsciously, her fingers allow the child's hand into hers. Once again, that beat between moments happens. The hidden, watchful eyes make note of this, and a curious smile touches their verdant gaze. Then the Archfey catches herself and pulls her hand away. You will stay in my court, Merla, forgetting your mortal life before you came to me. Queen Titania proclaims, eyes shining gold once more, and Merla feels her heart soar, the trepidation forgotten. You will stay with me for as long as I wish it. You will be protected. You shall dance, laugh, create mischief, sing and play to your heart's content. The great Seely Queen bends down so her large and imposing face is level with Merla's. The little halfling child is unable to look away from the fierceness of the beauty before her. But you will not under any circumstances, not under compulsion. Not with spite, nor with love in your heart. Not in loss or sorrow. Not so long as I walk within the realms. Sing that song, Merla Copperkettle. I forbid it. Merla didn't feel the magic weave around her, nor did she feel it as it bound her. She merely nodded, happy to be in the presence of the one whose song she loved so much. So long as she could be with her, Merla felt in that moment she would be happy forever. I promise, Merla says softly with a loving smile. Satisfied, Queen Titania reaches out and tucks her hair behind her ear 
and Merla feels the first touch of fey magic seep into her skin. There's a good girl. The Seelie Queen stands up straight and starts walking towards a door that suddenly appears behind the gold and crystal throne. Come, we must clean you up. With a skip in her step, Merla catches up with the Summer Queen, adoration and love painted across her changing face. Titania looks down at the strange child and finds something within herself softening as she places a motherly hand on Merla's head. The silent watcher notices how careful she is, how tender, the only one to witness these beginnings. This origin story was called The Lost Girl, The Daughter of Summer, set in the Cantus Expanse, a long-running 5th edition D&D campaign run by the London RPG community. Queen Titania was voiced by Laura Tolton. Thank you for listening. Thus concludes book three of Merla's story. Tome of Tales will return in three weeks' time with the commencement of book four of the Fey Bard's Adventures. I hope you will join me then for the continuation of her story.